0: Hello, my name is Jack Oatway And I am Jay Otway and welcome to another edition. Of- of Like Dragon, Like Sun, that's where right. we talk about all the coolest things in Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, this week, the LDLS studio is descending into construction hell. We apologize in advance if somewhere in the distant background, you hear the sound of uh, a blood war uh, occurring in behind us. It's, it has a very similar sound to uh, construction noise. Um, yeah, that's happening. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have to fight our way out of this hell. I mean,
1: it's, that's what happens when you make your recording studio in a demiplane, you know, you're just bound yeah, well, to end up closer so to some The rent was so good, though. It. It's true. It's true.
0: Uh, just
1: an eighth level spell slot.
0: We, this week, have decided uh, to, to continue our fight to the death, uh, and this time maybe talk a little bit about how you too can create an encounter that kills your entire party. But this time, you're not pitting them against each
1: other per No, say. no no but you're making the monsters to kill them last that's episode right. we talked about pvp now this is dmvp
0: yes this is uh my uh overpowered monster versus your party prepare to die
1: yeah uh i really i don't do any encounter building uh maybe once or twice i've tried it but uh that's not really my jam so i might pass the
0: pass the sauce well, okay, let's do this so that, uh, pretend you're one of our loyal listeners out there and you could ask me anything. What, what would your first question about creating an encounter be?
1: Um, how do I make my encounter balanced?
0: I don't know if there is such a thing as balance. Um, what do you mean by balance? Now, how, how do I not kill my party? Well, not killing life? is easy. Uh, How do
1: I make it a fun fight? I don't want to make it too challenging, but I also don't want to make it a cakewalk.
0: Now there's the trick. So first thing is know thy party. If you've played with them for a while, know what their strengths are. What are their go-to spells? Is this an encounter where they have had just come off a long rest and they've got all their resources? Or is this the third or fourth... Uh, encounter that they've had since their last long rest. Um, how down on resources are they? These are the sort of things that need to to come into balancing uh, the equation, if you will. And by balancing, we actually mean challenging. Um, there's there's little point in just throwing some sort of weenie in the character's way. Like you you need to make sure they've got something that yeah that that risks their lives uh, puts it all on the line mm. so uh if you have access to d- 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 to d and d beyond there's a encounter builder there is that just for subscribers is that for everyone yes yes it is um I don't know what non-subscribe subscription looks like anymore so i can't to say for sure it's been but too long. um but yeah it uh i've been using it actually now quite a bit i'm using it in my curse of strahd game uh building each of the encounters in the module into that it's not it's it'll often tell me that the encounters in curse of strahd are deadly uh they're not my players have not yet well, not completely died. I mean they sometimes go down in a fight. But they have enough like they have enough like ways to sort of, you know, heal or get somebody back on their feet that we we've not yet had anybody die, die completely. But yeah. We um there's all sorts of ways that that you can um There's all sorts of ways that you can accidentally die, I guess. Like if you build if you have an encounter that Looks like it's, you were saying, balanced, a challenge, fun. Um, The dice rolls obviously play a big part in in telling the story of how things go. Especially if round after round, dice rolls are going very well for the monsters and very badly for the party. You may find that uh, unexpectedly, what, what you thought, oh, this would be an easy cakewalk for them, proves to be something not so easy. Uh, or they don't twig very quickly to, say, a monster of vulnerability. You think, oh, okay, once they recognize that fire, you know, scares these things away, they'll just produce flame and it'll, you know, simple cantrip and it's over. And if they miss that and yet <laughs> and then they just keep getting hammered by twig blights, well, you know, bad things can happen.
1: All right, imagine I'm a new DM, right? I don't own the monster manual. I don't own any of the Volos guides or Morning Canaan's tome or whatever, any of that accessory content. How do I, like what monsters do I use? How do I build and like, what do I do? Okay, Where do so I start? the
0: basics are, well, let's assume you're gonna get some resources as a DM and you're still, you're trying to put this together. So the, the monsters do have a CR value on them, right? And the CR is challenge rating. And so if your party's got, you know, four to five players in it, those challenge ratings supposedly uh, are the sort of a a number that uh, equals the level of that party. So a CR 1 would be great for a party of first level characters to fight. Uh, CR 5, great for a party of fifth level. And typically I would say that in my experience – well, or at least the people I play with, maybe they're they're quite talented. Um, have no problem steamrolling through anything that's the cha- right appropriate channel challenge rating for their level. I usually shoot one or two rungs higher if I want to make sure that the players have a like a boss fight. Like, I guess something that's led up to uh, something. In, and I do that as well. I make sure there's like usually a mini fight on their way to the boss fight wears them down, makes things a little bit more challenging and harder when they know they're, they're shorter on resources. They don't have all their spell slots. Um, so yeah, first place you start is looking at the challenge rating.
1: But wh- where is the challenge rating located on a stat block? What does this mean? Where, where am I looking? <laughs>
0: it's, it's, uh, all right. So online or even in a monster manual, there, the step block has got like armor class hit point speed, a bunch of uh, their ability scores, and then underneath that skills, damage, immunities, things like that, uh, senses, languages. And then last but not least, uh, right before it starts listing the skills and stuff, it says challenge. And beside the challenge is a number. And also experience points if you're playing that way. Um, you know, a tiger is a challenge rating four. It's worth 1,100 experience points, which sounds great. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, that today. you're doing experience points, uh, for leveling up. Um, that could mean like a whole level for a low level character, although low level character by themselves would get killed Crushed. by it. So you have to split the XP up between the party. Um, the, uh, so yeah, so when you're putting an encounter together, it gets trickier then when you start thinking, okay, so I'm going to do the were tiger. And along with the were tiger, I'm going to throw a few other tigers. So now you've got a sort of a mix of, of higher challenge rating and lower challenge rating creatures. And there's multiple creatures, which means that increases the, the, the difficulty. The more, the more dice you put on the table for your side, the more likely it is you're going to win as a DM. And winning as a DM is the most important thing.
1: <laughs> is it
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely uh if you haven't killed your players uh like entire party every night you've you've not done your, your job as a dm right
1: i recommend as a person who doesn't make encounters to use some of the resources that D beyond provides to you there is great articles i think every week called encounter of the week where james hake someone i don't know you know D writers uh concoct a whole one-shot adventure or encounter uh based around a certain idea you know that's going around with a title and it's got uh, i think hooks leading up to it where you can go after it uh it's a great resource if you just want a quick encounter or you could again even much like this podcast just take little pieces out of um out of it you know that you feel like oh okay this would be interesting bringing a uh tree mech like we we did one time i was playing uh an exterminator artificer who'd come to to weed out the this like fey ritual and um this like fey queen i was like jumping into trees to turn them into like giant mecha suits and you pull that from a
0: yeah uh, I, I, an t- article, t- I, right? I borrowed that off of uh yeah a dnd Beyond uh, article of the week or encounter of the week, mm, and that would be one of my big
1: tips as someone who doesn't make encounters or isn't super familiar with the way, the inner workings of creating something that feels balanced. Uh, I take from what they've done. I mean, they're experts.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, if you and make want it super easy, if you if you want to get more into it, though, Xanathar's um, Guide to Everything, page eighty-eight, or you can find it online, has a really lovely explanation section on encounter building um you know step one you assess the characters like i said step two you choose the encounter size determine whether you want to create a battle that puts one creature against the characters or if you want to use multiple monsters and then if you want to use multiple monsters they've got a nice little table here that uh helps you determine uh the the challenge ratings. Uh, If uh, It says, if your encounter features multiple monsters, balancing it takes a little more work. Refer to the multiple multiple monsters table, which are broken up by level ranges, providing information for how to balance encounters for characters from 1st to 5th, 6th to 10th, 11th to 15th, and 16th to 20th. So each tier sort of on this... And I think I've, I've really noticed this playing as well. Like when your party crosses from fifth level into sort of sixth, the challenge ratings don't keep up so well with them anymore. The party becomes, you know, the the feature, the class features and things are gaining are quite good. So you really have to kind of up, I think, the challenge rating for. um, you know, tier two, and then likewise, when you sort of get to tier three, you can you can start throwing some pretty scary things at them. Keep in mind, though, the way that challenge ratings work. Often, though, is the higher challenge rating creatures. Well, well, your party will kind of grind them down at the same rate. That that monster, when it hits, is going to do so much more damage to your characters, uh, to your PCs. So you do got to be wary a little bit that if they get hit that it's it can be big chunks and, and they can really drop in hit points uh, very quickly and I think there's a lot of DMs who are a little bit surprised sometimes if they get lucky and they crit that they're like uh oh mm. I have totally just killed this player's character yeah and, and then that's I mean that kind of sucks because I mean you don't go in to, to a fight thinking I want to like I want to kill them all
1: but I think that death does happen in in D&D regardless if you intend for it or not and that you can spin something like a TPK into a, a super interesting narrative point I mean perhaps not intentional and perhaps it ruffles some feathers at the table but I think that Instead of learning to, you know, retcon or, you know, flailing and sort of like, I don't know where to go from here, guys, you know, make new characters, like, you could turn that death into the next part of the adventure. You know, I think a great video is Kane Kuo. Um, there's a great video on, on death, and he, he explores ideas like you wake up in, you know, some afterlife place. I think Ethereal Fae prints something like that, and he has you collect something for him to you know rewind time or do something to bring you back into the material plane like we discussed on other sort of episodes on how the fake can have that sort of magical time me why me sort of thing and bring you back a little bit uh or that perhaps you didn't quite die but instead
0: um to be, to be honest, this happens, I think, more with first to fifth level characters. You wake up in a precarious situation, exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, the higher, the, the higher higher level, level characters, exactly. especially you if revivify, you've got you a exactly. exactly, you know, have like party you have that ways to bring people back, and you've even got some time for raise dead. Um, it's quite possible your party, if you've depending how you've set the adventure up, your party knows somewhere in the campaign setting that they can have such a ritual performed at cost. But hey. The party's been around long enough that it's got some coin in the bank or some favors built up or whatever that it can, if one of the party members goes down, know that it's not not a forever thing. Um, Typically, if you're playing, and a lot of people, a lot of us out there are playing characters below fifth level, that at that point, the party has neither the resources, the contacts, nor the spell slots themselves. If you fail that third death saving throw, well, that's it. I'm sorry. Game over. Uh, and that sucks i mean i think there is something to like bringing
1: people back that can feel a little it can make death feel a little empty in D D. yeah
0: i think i think Once personally level but yeah just uh i mean you've gotta you've gotta run a table that is compassionate that understands that when that person that character dies there's an attachment likely they have to it and the player's going to feel a certain amount of, you know, emotions about this. And they may be upset. Um, Comfort them a little, but don't, I think, don't just hand out automatic rebirth. Try to coach them into the spirit of the game and remind them that, that they can make up a brand new character. Um, anything they want, and it can be a brand new page, and they can they can start at the same level their other character finished off, and and it gives you know it gives a story a chance for a new hook and a new way in, and yeah, maybe that player wants to take a week or two <laughs> off to think about it. I don't or know,
1: or even I think they if that player is so in. dead set on playing such a character, have them play some smaller npc or replacement character until they can get that original character to a place where they can be revived and make it that a big quest as well you yeah know,
0: you, you could on a higher level the i said if you're carrying trying to carry a body Even at a
1: lower level before you have any sort of re- resurrection capabilities taking them to some you know temple where they they you know employ under like a service and you could then find a group patron or a new story hook or a new location uh spinning that you know bad role into a a potential new avenue for adventure and i think a, a great lesson to being a little bit more careful in battle or learning to accept death
0: i think is one a, a very powerful thing that D can teach i completely agree um and so yeah this the only way somebody's dying in your story is again if you've somehow messed up the balancing of your encounters and. A lot of that really does come down to the the action economy and dice on the table. Who has the most moves? Who's going to get to go the most? Um,
1: I mean, there's always power imbalances if you've got a super strong creature. Like, just because there's a single Tarrasque in a party of 10 doesn't mean the party of 10 yeah, is going to win, but so know? a smart party
0: runs away from a Tarrasque. Mm. Yeah, right? well, I mean, that's a huge part, learning to run away. Sure, but the, I think it's the smaller creatures the sometimes like well. that can be um, it can be trickier to sort of think okay so I've got a party of four third level characters and I dig through this table and I can see that you know one CR two foe is a good match for the entire party uh, according to the table but you know the characters will likely have a hard time handling a CR three. And so then I test that out and I'm like, okay, they actually were fine with that. So I sort of up it a little bit where I start thinking, oh, okay, I'm gonna start mixing and matching. And so I'm throwing in a bunch of one quarters and one halves and I'm trying to look at the table a bit or look at the, the you know formula that's on D&D Beyond. And I'm thinking, okay, they went through the the last one that said it was really hard, no problem, so I'm going to make this one deadly and I'm sure they'll be fine. I'll give them, you know, a way out and things. And I think it's like just trying to put those sorts of ideas together. Like do the math, check out the, you know, check out the formulas that are there, try to keep it in there. But then you get a test. You got to keep testing your party again and again to sort of see what they can and can't handle. I think the harder ones sometimes though is when you're playing pre-written adventures and you're just trying to follow along with what you think has been a properly play-tested game and then you recognize that something like, you know, Curse of Strahd is really freaking hard. I mean,
1: you didn't run the Death House, but I've heard the Death House is... Or is it the death house? Yeah. Death like
0: house is, death house is, is usually a level one experience, which again, anything at level one is terrible. You have only got half dozen hit points and you're dead. So yeah, like you, everything at level one is ridiculously dangerous. Whereas yeah, I, for my level one parties, I ran a slightly different one. Um, I ran an orphanage story that I set in Kretzk. and it was much easier sort of mystery for them to sort of solve. And it could actually happen while at the same time they were exploring the village and finding out other little mini adventures going on there. And everything in the beginning bit for them was, um, one, one monster at a time. Um, and yet monsters that could easily kill them. But there was like in the, the, in the, the one in the orphanage, there was an amulet that if they figured out how the amulet worked, which they did, the amulet basically ends the fight. And so putting things like that in, I find, really helps with my encounters. And you and I have done this as well. We were playing one the night where you were fighting um, uh, the hungry, the were they this, the sorrowful.
1: Sorosworn. Sorosworn
0: the sorrow sworn. Yeah. Um, and they were like, there was three of them and they're like 225 hit points each. And there's no way you were going to fight them to the death. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? We'll put the old, uh, wizard of Oz trick in there. If you kick them into some running water, they, they'll melt and die. Mm. And, you know, adding, adding things like that to a fight where the players don't know at first, what those things are, but through discovery, um, they come up that that's, I think those are sort of things that are quite fun because there's more of a storytelling adventure element to it rather than we just keep rolling the dice and hitting it with our sticks until it's dead.
1: Yeah, I think eventually by, like it, it gets to a point where dice can sort of slow things down and get rid of that flavor-rich you know, encounter to make it just hit after hit after. And there could still be cool moves going on, but it's ultimately up to the dice to see how things go. Uh, unlike exploration, in many cases, I mean, there's still dice rolls, but it's much more narratively controlled, especially role play. Not everything is dictated by a, a dice roll, and I think that that discovery um, that's so you know joyous in D and D can be, be a huge part of combat. And I think that even taking some of the stuff we talked about last episode, the some of the PvP rules, like setting an interesting uh, arena, if you will, yeah. an interesting environment.
0: Well, or think of it more instead of just the environment take a look at it from the monsters perspective of personality and again there's a there's some charts in uh, Xanathars if you want to look at them um, but they kind of make sense like you, you should of have a thing are they like cowardly are they greedy do they want treasure are they braggarts are they about showing off um, but maybe would run away if like things don't work out for them uh, are they a fanatic uh, are they uh, you know, rabble, poor, poorly, poorly trained and easily rattled, or are they brave? Are they jokers, or are they bullies? Um, having a little bit of understanding of, of, and even maybe a possible mix—you could have a group of eight goblins that had one of each of those in the part in the <laughs> the group of them. Um, I I like giving my my monsters names. I like giving my monsters. A little bit of personality, a little bit of an idea. I like setting up ahead of time, saying, you know, if the monster gets below a certain threshold of hit points, it's going to change its tactics, right? It's going to run away. You yeah. Know, maybe. Um. And yeah. Or yeah. Or do something... Start heading a little bit heavier. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. we're yeah, the other tactics might be to to try and um, pick off, you know, to have them work together to try and pick off uh, a weak one on the outside. Like, you know, go after their glass can and find their rogue and, um, you know... <laughs> sorcerer. <laughs> their sorcerer, you know. Um, if you, as a DM, if you kind of know that... You know where the the party is kind of weak, and maybe not hit it. Hit, I mean, you can be tactically, you can tactically be a jerk right off the bat, like off the bat, by knowing how your party is going to come in and set up. Right, you know where the fighters and the barbarians are going to end up. You know where the the wizards and the rogues and things are going to end up, and and you can set it up so that they don't get they don't get the favored ground that they want you can mess with them and you can tactically do things again, be careful when you do this. Cause that does seriously upset, upset the balance of a fight. Um, like I said, I would, I like to do it when I like, said the monsters start getting down a little bit, um, have them at that point go after and do sort of desperation tactics that, that does pick a soft spot on the, in the party and try to hit it extra hard. And then the party's got, you know, a turn or two to try and, kill the creature before it does, you know, really bad damage to them or whatever. Like, I think it's a hard one to, like I said, just talk in complete generality because every monster is going to be different. Um, but yeah, with that monster, have a think of what it wants, how it's, you know, going to react in, in the, you know, various situations that may come up. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I always sort of, I think that there is always three solutions, right? There's, there's, you know, we, we kill it. uh, We hit it until it's dead or we run away from it or somehow we stop, get the fight to stop. Mm. We get, we get a a truce, uh, a surrender or something that happens. And uh, I mean, the hit it with stick one also has got other outcomes. Like, don't think you always have to, like, completely reduce hit points to zero. If you can push something off a cliff, if you can do other... There's other ways to end a fight without having to reduce hit points to zero. So uh, look for those opportunities as well. And as a DM, build those into every encounter. Create yeah, and opportunities. if the players aren't going
1: to interact with the cool environment you made, let the monsters, you know? Maybe the kobolds really do know the caverns they, they run through and can easily... Like, sway players into running over some pit that they set up, or you know.
0: Okay, so this is that's advanced encounter building. Put monsters and traps together.
1: Yeah. I mean, Um, kobolds are a great example of monsters that need to use traps
0: to their advantage or are built to use traps to their advantage. And okay, and again, when you set these traps, set kobold traps, not like master. Yeah, no, they're not like drow killer traps, but.
1: They're like. Little wooden pork cutlasses that right. drop down. And, the and so the damage, like, oh, damage
0: oh, sh- threshold sh- on <sh- them profitable. should be such that, you know, they take a D4 damage uh, half if they save or just or like restricting
1: movement or, you know, yeah. Yeah, it could just... letting kobolds escape or getting kobolds closer to the players. There's mm-hmm. another uh, video from King Kuo where it's essentially the kobold cannon and they load kobolds into this like huge arbalestry type thing and like pull them back and like, kobolds are like... Fired towards the players and they both take damage yeah oh wow
0: yeah uh, kobolds um poor kobolds i think we 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 treat them with such disrespects <laughs>
1: uh. i don't know i think that's such a cool idea you know that like maybe like it would take them three turns to reach the cannon but um like one master kobold artificer is like brought this like r- rack and jamble you know big crossbow looking thing together and it's just like, okay, hop in. Gobble, slams into the player.
0: So I'm, um, I'm looking at doing a one shot very soon with uh, some friends and have everybody make uh, 20th level characters because that's fun. Um, but I also worry... Be careful
1: with what you let them I play. worry
0: a little bit because... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. Everybody's too tough at 20th level. But I am a little bit like, I'm sort of thinking, okay, I want the fight to, the fights, we've got about four hours to fight. I'd like it to be over by that point. Um, it's a big fight. 20th yeah. level fights do not end. Yeah, CR. We even learned like 10th, 11th
1: level fights. And again,
0: on. I don't think, I don't think straight up CR 20 creature is, is enough in a fight like that. You need probably something a little bit above that. And and so, what kind of monsters are CR20 monsters? Well, we're, we're talking about, well, maybe a little bit above that. Not but a fight
1: to the death. The way that you stop them from going a- out ancient, is ancient making them to like the Ancient dragons are
0: like 21, 22, 23. I think things that Uh, summon
1: things are always not a bad idea.
0: Things with lair actions, things with lots of legendary actions. But I think
1: you can really give any creature legendary actions and lair actions and make them a much cooler encounter.
0: Any boss monster you do
1: should have something cool like
0: that. I was going to, I was thinking, I'm thinking maybe a lich fight Mm. and the lich, of course, has got... Classic. Lots of undead minions. Mm. Um, But then it's, you know, destroy undead. All well the thing, the thing is yeah well and sphere. I don't I don't want also I don't want to be like okay I've got 120 skeletons to roll for everybody sit down and mm. like relax while I roll a lot of d20s to see how much damage understanding how to
1: like run mobs is a huge thing yeah I think Z Basher has a good video on that mobs, on mobs uh, there's though.
0: actually a, a, oh, I picked up a, somebody said a really nice uh, it was actually GM binders yeah uh, Let's see if I'll post a link to it if I can find it in the description uh, on hordes and how to to create more like a, a swarm out of almost anything, which is kind of a nice idea. Um, I think there is there is basic rules in the DM's guide for handling large groups of uh, creatures and I think it's important to use those. Uh, it basically means if there's X number of creatures the party takes, X amount of damage every turn from them. And as they whittle their numbers down, it it drops off how much damage they take from them. Um, it does speed things up. but And, and, and actually, you, you can you can work the math on that as well. If you say, okay, I've got this horde, it's going to do so much damage each turn to the players, which means that they're going to go from... What, what's a barbarian have at 20th level? Like 200 some hit points?
1: Yeah, maybe 300 if they're good at rolling.
0: Right? So... So you're like, okay, they can get well, shot practically by
1: 400 if they're raging.
0: They but. can be shot by a bunch of arrows every turn, and if I'm ah, even if ah, I'm reducing range. their hit points by 20 every turn, that's still in 10 turns not going to kill them. Um, but it's enough that sort of you want to keep the, put the pressure on. I think the key to building a really cool encounter as a DM and when you're running the fight is you want to keep the pressure on the players so that no point do they think oh this is just going to be really easy now that they think they they have to keep thinking i need to make this roll i need to make this roll and when they don't make the rolls they should really feel like ah oh, crap that sucked and when they do make the rolls like i should feel yes that's mm, that yeah, was really victory. good um, that emotional charge is what we love about this game and it only comes if you if you sort of keep Uh, if you keep the, the real threat of, of death, you know, present, um, so yeah, the baddies have got to be, they've got to be scary. They've got to be there and they're going to be doing their thing, but you know, a little change of, of thought pattern on this for a second. I also believe in revisiting monsters in a campaign that once were a real threat to the players where they were like, oh, my God, I'm gonna, we're going to die. We barely scraped through that one. You know, something that they thought, oh, that was, like, really tough when we were level three. And, and now then, they're, level yeah, they're level seven, seven or something. Yeah. And they come across that same threat again. I think story-wise, it can be quite fun to actually just have an encounter once in a while that, that you know. You know the minute you say roll for initiative, and so do the players, they are totally going to to win by a huge margin on this. They are going to steamroll through these creatures and crush them, one round, maybe two at the most, and it'll be over. And that's
1: okay. Sometimes you gotta nice, give your sharp, players a victory.
0: You yeah, know? but it, and it's a that quick feel awesome. It's a quick fight yeah. that's more nar- of a narrative beat almost. To have them sort of think, oh, like hey, how look far how we've how come. Yeah, in terms we of power. You know? I remember those guys last time we came across them where I was so scared and now whatever.
1: Or Uh, even, you know, an enemy before is a friend that you meet later down the
0: line. Maybe. I mean, I, I think anybody who's ever played video games knows the feeling of, you know, your level one monsters. You're like, Oh my, they're so tough. And then, you know, as you get better and better at the game, those things, you just become like, whatever. Melting through them. You don't even care. Like they don't even, you barely even notice them. Like they're like flies. Um, And I think, yeah, I think you should give your players a chance to feel that too. So again, when we talk about balance in an encounter, balance is also a type of storytelling device. Is this a boss fight? Is it a run-up to the boss fight? Is it a little random encounter along the way? And we haven't talked about how random encounters aren't really random. Like random encounters should be tied into your overall story somehow. But they should be encounters that... That are likely, unlikely to be completely deadly, um, but should teach the players a little bit about where they are and what's going on and expand the world that they're in a little bit. Uh, random encounters can be, though, if they're proved to be a bit tougher than you thought, and then they have to go into another fight, and then they have to go into another fight. It can really. Mm. Uh, random If you run too many random encounters on the in between getting to various other fights, That's part of the balance as well. How many fights have we done and be careful not to, to get to a point where your, you know, your players are out of health potions, out of spell slots, out of rage slots, out of sorcery points, out of, um, you know, pretty much everything then, you know, out of hit dice. Uh, yeah, you should probably at some point let them have a long rest. Yeah, Uh, create those opportunities figure out how where and how that's going to happen players are going to be asking for them anyways players are going to start dreaming up any way that they can barricade themselves into any cave um any hole in the ground anywhere they can to try and take a rest so they can they can get their hit points and spell slots back
1: exactly and then again approaching the idea of gritty realism how do encounters change when suddenly that long rest is now a week of downtime where that short rest becomes a little bit longer or you go super epic champion style where like a short rest is 10 minutes, you know, and a long rest is just an hour or like, you know, a couple hours resting. Like we've done like a couple examples in the past with your Haunted manor. Yeah. One shot, you know. Haunted manor
0: is uh, one hour for a long rest, but it's tricky to find a place in the house that- get a rest, yeah. Unless you have an hour. Um but that game was different, though, because you're on a clock that's ticking, mm. uh, and that there's only 12 hours to get through that adventure. Also, the idea of, of burning one of those hours and a long rest is a is a question you have to ask. Like, You definitely want to do it before you get to the boss, but you need to do it sooner rather than later.
1: I'm raising my hand, because I have a question.
0: Right.
1: What are mythic creatures? That's a new type of monster, right? And... Epic, you know, Theros, you know, Odyssey of Theros. Right. I think there's like a new type of creature called mythic creatures. I think that's a little homework I'm gonna have to do next episode. Maybe we can talk about a little bit more about legendary creatures.
0: Um, sure. I mean, legendary actions and legendary creatures. I mean, just like how do I frame? Frankly, such a cool I think sometimes again, if I, or a mythic creature, if I'm trying to that. build a little balance into a into an encounter, I might give a smaller monster who's still an important you know, creature for, for the players to get past, I might give them, especially if they're seriously outnumbered by the party, and again, I want to toughen them up a little bit, boost the hit points a little bit and then give them a legendary action. That improves their action economy because they get to do something one. Just give them one. Yeah, on somebody else's turn. On somebody else's turn, and you can make it very specific things. You can sort of think what their tactics are. Is it? It could be even as simple as a move. It is, and that that can make a big difference to the party when suddenly they think, oh, he's trapped over there, and then nope, on he moves on his. Or even a poof, teleport, a, yeah, or something, something like that, that. You
1: have to throw your players off. I mean, um, a fun if idea. it makes
0: sense for the kobold to have teleport, probably well. not.
1: Why not? He's a magical <laughs> kobold. Who knows?
0: <laughs> no, I wouldn't give it a scope of kobold, but... Sapphire dragon kobold. That's right. Um, uh, I gave my, uh, my twig blight storm, uh, swarms uh, the ability to do a, a legendary action of grappling after Oof, but only after they'd been attacked ah, when they had a melee attack come at them so, so the like idea is additional like, exactly if you actions. if you okay. swing at them and hit them they had a sort of chance to kind of grab <laughs> you and you're yeah. like like that's a cool idea I um, like that. but again only you know they burns their reaction uh not reaction to do it there was a legendary or no actually I give it to them as a reaction. I give it as a special reaction right. rather than a legendary it's Like a legendary one. action oh, it's a a reaction reaction you that you can doesn't take. Yeah, that doesn't take your reaction. So, yeah, I used to actually just set that was a reaction because they weren't that sort of legendary of creature. But I give them a special reaction, which again does improve their action economy. It gives them one more thing they get to do that they wouldn't normally do. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that can be fun because suddenly then if this, you know, because the swarm moves into your space and then, you know, somebody else swings at them or you even swing at them and they get to that grapple and then suddenly you can't move. And it was just, it just made it so that the players had a harder time getting away from the swarm, dealing with them uh, became harder. Yeah. So I, that's what you have to do. You just want to try and find ways so that, the players don't find it too easy, uh, but at the same time, you're not too worried about killing them all. Mythic encounters. Be careful. Be careful yeah. with um, the, the toughest, the most scary thing uh, is putting sp- uh, players up against spellcasters. I find. Oh, yeah. Spells. Uh, spells can sometimes be disproportionately powerful. Uh, area of effect spells uh, that can hit the whole party yeah those those can be really rough uh a fireball is is really uh aggressive on tier one characters you could wipe a a whole party of level three characters out with a fireball so yeah don't don't do that
1: what i've read here on a mythic creature is an example of a mythic creature we might want to explore this a little bit later and i might have more information but arasta from mythic odyssey of theros is this huge spider lady cr21 pretty scary that sounds fun um 300 hit points uh, so real let's tr- let's tr- go get, to get her. through but she has a mythic trait oh which activates spe- special mythic actions later on but the mythic trait is called armor of spiders uh, once per shorter long rest. Shorter long rest. If Arasta is reduced to zero hit points, she doesn't die or fall unconscious. Instead, she regains two hundred hit points. Wow. In addition, Arasta's children immediately swarm over her body to protect her, granting her a hundred temporary hit points. Easy. Easy boom, you know. And hmm. while those hit points are active from her armor of spiders, she can make two claw attacks. Wait, with her what's swipe. her name? Uh, Arasta.
0: Ooh, I think you may have just have found my Halloween one-shot monster. Yeah, I
1: mean, there's two other cool ones as well, but she's pretty spooky looking as well. Uh, yeah, I could even
0: show you what she looks like. You can't because people are listening. Oh, well I can show you what it like. look up a rasta from So yeah, so what we're looking at here is this uh giant spider spider looking body that looks like it's got the, the cosmos and the stars weave, and stuff you I can think see it's into called, it. Right? Nick's weave. And Nick's she's got weave. white hair robbing like off her head. Webs so yeah, like sort of like, like a human head, head on a spider body with these white yeah, webs of hair that come in all directions and across that white gossamer is hundreds of Glowing orb body baby spiders. All crawling along. And I say baby, they're still like probably fist size, but there's lots of them. Even um, them sort of crawling around the floor. And she's yeah, got like she's spooky Halloween An unfurly jaw with like. Ooh. Thank you, clean. Theros. See, dandy right now, we've never lived in a better time for Dungeons and Dragons. There is so much good stuff being produced out there, more stuff than we can possibly play. Um,. Yeah, well, that's a really cool one. Mythic she actions. Is quite cool. There's wow. something to she try. She is really cool. Oh my god! Uh, and that's a so cool challenge thing. rating twenty one. Cr twenty one. Wow. So yeah, yeah. party of twentieth level characters should have no problem taking her
1: out. Super interesting ideas as well, like toxic webs and swarms and all sorts of stuff like yeah. that.
0: Yeah, wow, I that's think cool. The 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 again, pro tip for DMs: read your monster descriptions before the fight really read about who they are especially if they're your boss fight understand their environment that they're going to be in we talked about the arena last time a little bit, understand the environment um, think about their tactics, think about their personality really think how can I use the monsters and creatures in here effectively and well um, so that they, they make sense and don't be afraid to have them talk during combat as well Mm. Right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. If players can talk, monsters
1: can certainly talk. Intimidating players, convincing players not to harm them before jabbing them in the yeah. back, or you know, distracting them while their their friend is you know sneaking up behind I,
0: them. I'm letting players talk more and more. Yeah, in combat, um, back Makes and it more forth.
1: narrative again. It brings that role play into yeah. combat a little
0: bit. I'm sort of know? like you know what? It absolutely has. I know, like each turn's only supposed to be six seconds, whatever. Don't care. Uh, it's, it's a little bit more fluid, timey, wimey than that. And I'm okay with letting people chit chat a little bit. It it does allow for, it allows for a bunch of things. Like you can actually try to convince somebody to surrender, uh, or not (laughs) as often, you know, the party in themselves, like, you know, one player says surrender. And then the next player is like, no, I just shoot her in the head. You're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Boink. Never mind. You guys can work that out later on your, you know, in your own time.
1: Great. I think we've had a wonderful discussion on setting up encounters. We might continue this, like a part one, part two, on setting up big encounters, high level. We talked a little bit about managing low level and trying not to kill your players too much. But I think I'm now interested in maybe talking a little bit about the legendary monsters of D&D and running high level encounters and how to keep, high level encounters interesting we've
0: touched a little bit sure on it, but... well maybe after after Halloween and after I sort of have oh yeah we can come back and talk I'll a little bit back about, we'll, how well, we'll talk right. about how the roster I'll talk about how the 20th level one's gone you and I have run a couple of high level things before. 20th level tests one on one things so we have an idea of how long they can take and we've been running some you know tier 3 level stuff as well and realized that it's going to take a long time so I, I do have expectations on how long this is going to take and uh and the setup for it but anyways i will report back i i expect that just the fight alone is going to be about three hours Mm -hmm. um and so with with a little bit of role play set up in it in there it's probably a a a good four hour uh one shot uh just to just to basically fight something should be fun i'm excited should be good time. do it
1: all right everyone thank you for joining us on this episode um hope you're having a, a spooky october
0: yeah, uh, if you are not yet playing a spooky adventure, get out there. Try Curse of Strahd. Try Icewind Dale. Uh, look for some Gothic horror stuff on DM's Guild. There's loads of things. Uh, get some friends together, have a one shot. It's what Halloween's all about. Yeah, playing DD. Let's do
1: it. Next week we should talk about some scary stuff. Let's talk about Halloween scary.
0: I think next monsters. week we should talk about the importance of bringing Halloween candy uh, for your DM. Uh, if you don't want to die at the table. It's true.
1: Um, I mean, it's really the only surefire way to survive combat.
0: Bribe the DM.
1: Yeah. 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 He'll give you all the magic items in return. You
0: definitely need to bribe your DM.
1: (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this week. On Like Dragon, Like Sun, my name is Jack Outway. I'm Jay Outway. And we hope you have a spooky week. Goodbye, everybody.